This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. We've been talking about providence, not Rhode Island, (laughs) just the providence of Almighty God, how he has called you to flourish, and he has had foresight and forethought, and God has made preparations for you, and any time you find yourself following the best pathway, because he says he'll lead you in the best pathway for your life, Proverbs tells us that. Anytime we're following his direction, you're going to find providence, provisions all along that pathway. That's just the way it is. So I'd like to uh, continue on along this topic, and uh, we're going to cross into some other territory. But listen to what it says here in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. He says, let us strip off every weight. He says, let us strip off every weight. I'm not going to throw any out in the congregation, okay, tonight, all right? He says, let us strip off every weight and, and, you know, uh, one of the things that really weighs us down is unforgiveness. If you have unforgiveness in your heart, you are weighed down and you are not reaching your full potential. Your prayers are not being answered the way they could be. If you got unforgiveness in your heart, it's poison, it's bitter, and it contaminates everything in regards to you if, if you've got unforgiveness in your heart. Toward anybody. And he says here, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Every weight that keeps us from flourishing and becoming like Jesus. And we know what Jesus said with his hand on the cross, don't we? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So he says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily hinders. That's talking about it holds us back. You know, it trips us up. It it clings to and it entangles us. That's what sin does. And he says, let us strip off the provisions that God has made. He says, let us strip off every weight. And we can do it because he said to in his word. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down. And did you understand this particular passage is talking about running a race. How many would like to carry about 50 pounds of rocks with you next time you run a race? That's not a very good idea, is it? Even one rock's not a good idea. But he says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down in our spiritual development. Especially the sin that so easily hinders our progress. You know, to to flourish and to make steady progress in our relationship with God. Sin and things that just weigh us down. We, we know they're not good for us. And the Bible says just strip them, strip them off. I don't know if you ever remember about this. Let's see. 
if y'all can see that or not. Can y'all see that? Just kind of? You know what it is? Apparently that means no. <laughs> there was a princess once upon a time who the way you determined if she was a princess or not, you put a pea under her big thick mattress and if it disturbed her sleep, she was a princess. They put the pea under the mattress she tried to sleep on it, but she could not because that little old thing right there kept her awake. It irritated her. It, it just made matters terrible, you know? Even, even, even the smallest amount of unforgiveness in your life will make your life miserable. It will hinder your prayers from being answered. A lot more prayers will be answered if you had gotten rid of that little bit of unf well, so and so they, they deserved it that, that they deserved me acting that way toward them I don't think so because the Bible tells us to forgive that's what, that's what he tells us and we'll see that in just a moment but a little old peaking would that little old peak keep you up if you had a big take mattress on it I've slept on the ground with rocks like that before and I slept some little peeing off disturb my sleep, but a little bit of unforgiveness will disturb your sleep, your health, your finances, your relationships, and everything else in your life. A little bit of unforgiveness, a little bit of bitterness. That's what God tells us. Well, let me read this again. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, let us, we all have to deal with this, let us strip off every weight that slows us down spiritually, especially the sin that so easily hinders our progress. And let us run, this is right, and let us run with endurance. Let us run with stamina. Let us run with staying power. That's what he's talking about. You strip the, the weight that's weighing you down in the sin that's weighing you down and hindering you and entangling you and tripping you. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us, each of us. We all have a race. You may not even be aware of it, but you're all in a race designed by Almighty God. <clears throat> and if, I'm going to tell you, I know one thing about the race that God sets up. It's not who's first across the finish line. That has nothing to do with these kinds of races. It's the fact that you cross the finish line. Regardless of what position you're in, you're faithful to run the race that God has set before you. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, unforgiveness, it contaminates everything in your life that you hold dear. Everything. Unforgiveness, so they, well, a little bit of unforgiveness ain't all that bad. You know what? If you're a child of God, it is. If you're a princess, that little pea won't let you sleep, according to the uh, fairy tale. But what I'm reading you is not a fairy tale. You know, <clears throat> so unforgiveness will contaminate our heart and it'll slow us down. It'll hinder our progress. 
So anytime you get unforgiveness in your life, you just need to strip it off. Strip it off. How many times has unforgiveness tried to get in your life? Like more than two hands full in your lifetime? It might be more than two hands full in a day. You're tempted to be unforgiving. So what we have to do is strip it off and turn loose of that weight whenever it comes our way. Listen to what it says here. In Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 it says, My people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. Because what we don't know, it does hurt us. It genuinely does. You may not know what that little P is. Oh, that little thing ain't going to bother me. A little bit of unforgiveness ain't going to really bother me. Or disobeying God ain't going to really bother me. But God has made provisions, foresight, forethought. And he knew things were going to bother us and aggravate us. And we're going to have a temptation to not forgive people. Jesus said it on the cross. Father, forgive them. They've really hurt me bad. They've done me terrible, terrible, terrible. Forgive them. So Jesus was talking to his father to forgive them. And, and you may not know. My people pressure like it. You may not know those little things. Oh, these little things ain't going to really bother me. You may not know that. But he tells us that my, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because we don't know those little things that call unforgiveness, how treacherous and how contaminating and how corrupting and, 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 and how miserable they'll make our life and hinder our prayers. Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, it says, For the eyes of the Lord, did you know God has eyes? We're created in his image, you know. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong. God's looking to show himself strong to somebody. Can you imagine that? Sounds like something a kid would do. Want to feel my muscles? <laughs> it says, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of them whose heart is, what does that say? Perfect. Fully surrendered, fully dedicated to him. God's looking to show himself strong. When you've got a perfect heart, I'm going to tell you, you do not have a perfect heart. You do not have a clean heart if you've got unforgiveness. Providence. God has made provision for you and I to be forgiven. That's why he sent his son Jesus to forgive all of our sins. So if we're carrying unforgiveness in our heart toward anybody, you're not taking advantage of the provisions that's been made. And your life will be pretty doggone miserable if we have any unforgiveness in our heart at all. Because what happens when there's unforgiveness in your heart, it'll start affecting your mouth, won't it? Well, you know, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. That's just what our Bible tells us. Anyhow, there's this guy by the name of Joseph. And he was such a man who had a perfect heart. 
His brothers sold him into slavery. They they did terrible things to Joseph. Terrible things. Then they sold him into slavery. But God was looking. God's on the lookout. He's like, can I find a man, can I find a woman who has a perfect heart? And you go, well, I don't understand. God allows things to come into our life to prove what kind of heart you got. He allows things to come into our life to see, are we going to give in to it? Are we going to be judgmental? Are we going to be critical? Are we going to be gossipy? So not only he sees, but we know our heart's really not perfect. Can we have a perfect heart? If we'll confess our sins to God, what will he do? The providence of God. 1 John 1, 9. He said, if you confess your sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from every wrong, all unrighteousness. He wants us to have a perfect heart toward him, to be Christ-like, to forgive everybody else because God forgives everybody, does he not? Yes. Absolutely, he does. So we have saw that in Joseph's life, he forgave his brothers, those mean, ornery old brothers who sold him into slavery, and God turned that thing around, and Joseph, if it wasn't for Joseph, his brothers were all died, and his dad were all starved to death. He was a man like this of a perfect heart. And Stephen, the deacon in the New Testament, you know, all these guys were stoning him, and Saul, who later became Paul, was a part of it, and, you know, they were hitting him with big rocks, big rocks. And he, he said, Father, lay not this into their account. And you remember when Jesus was crucified? Didn't he say the same thing? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So for such a, a wonderful thing to be known for as a man or a woman with a perfect heart, that's fantastic, you know? Because, see, you cannot afford the weight of an imperfect, filthy, germ-corrupted germ heart. you got to strip off all those weights. Strip them off. And they're always trying to come into our, our life in some area. And sometimes they're only that big. But you remember the, the little uh, story, the fairy tale about the, the princess and the pea. Made her life miserable. And weights and sins to the Bible says, just strip them off. They make her life miserable and forgive everybody. Whoever's hurt you in any way. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 31 says, get rid of all. Now what percentage is all? 100%. That's all. Get rid of all bitterness. In the Bible, if you look it up, bitterness is also translated poison. How do you like the idea of poison just abiding in your body permanently? I don't think that's good for any of us. And, and God's word says, get rid of all the bitterness and the rage. Have you ever flown into a rage? Even once. 
he says, get rid of all the bitterness, the rage, and anger is a little bit scaled down. May not be into a rage, but it's still bad. It leads to rage. It says, get rid of all the bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types, that's 100%, all types of malicious behavior. Malicious means hateful, spiteful behavior. He says, get rid of it. Wow. Get rid of it. Because it's, it's weight that you just can't afford. All right. Safety. Oh, no, it's not. Sometimes you find some weights that's in there that you didn't know was there. And the Bible says, get rid of all that stuff. Because it's weighing you down and you, you're running a race. And you cannot afford any extra weight if you have any hope of crossing that finish line. It's weighing you down. Verse 32 says, Instead of having bitterness and rage and anger and harsh words and slander and all types of malicious behavior, verse 32 says, Instead of that... Be kind. That's a change, isn't it? Versus malicious behavior, you know, just evil conversation, rage, anger, you know, slander, gossip. He says, be kind. You think you can do that? Two, three, four, one minute, five, six, seven. Eight. Nine. Why don't we just all put our hands up, okay? All right, I'm going to get rid of the, all the malicious stuff, and I think I can be kind to each other and tenderhearted and forgiving one another. It's hard to be kind if you don't forgive somebody. You got a bad attitude. You, you, you suspect. You got a bad attitude to them, toward them. And he says, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Be like, be like God. Forgive people. Be kind and forgive them. Well, Pastor Ron, you don't know what they did or what they said. God does. And he's the one who put this in his word to be kind. Well, he says... Now, Mark Twain said this. He said, forgiveness is the fragrance the flower leaves on the heel of the one who crushed it. Can you imagine crushing a flower? Oh, wow, what a wonderful aroma. That's forgiveness. I wonder if we can be that kind and that tender-hearted. You know, forgiveness. Mark Twain said, is the fragrance of flower leaves on the heel of the one who crushed it. Acts chapter 24, verse 16. This is a powerful passage. And we can just take this passage alone and talk about it for a month. It says, and herein, the apostle said, and herein do I exercise myself. How many of y'all exercise? 
Do you do it yourself or do you have somebody to do it for you? Listen, I'm going to pay you $10 a week and just I want you to jog and I want you to do some push-ups. You know, I thought that's when you joined a, a gym or something or another. Here, I'm going to give you my money. Make sure the machines and all are running, okay? And I'll lose weight and I'll get in better shape, right? Yes. It'd be nice if it did. I don't know why all that stuff you get down there to why is not helping me. I don't understand it. Of course, I ain't been to the Y in like 20 years. So, so I'm going to have to do it myself. How many of you like to eat your own meal? But it would be nice if somebody else could exercise for you, wouldn't it? <clears throat> well, it says here, <clears throat> and herein do I exercise myself. This is something I got to do to have always. And what percentage is always? And herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience that is void, which means empty, just like that bag over there, dumped all the rocks out, it's empty. And herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God, because some people are like, God, why'd you let that happen to me? Or sometimes people go, well, why did you interfere with my life and make that happen to me? People are offended toward God and toward man. And the apostle says, and herein do I exercise myself to have always. I, I work this thing out all the time to always have a conscience that is void of offense toward God and toward man. The word offense there is scandalon. Scandalon, let me see. Do I have a... Hmm. Oh. <clears throat> now I just need one volunteer. And if you don't come, I'm just going to throw this at you. <laughs> I'm teasing. Scandalon is the place where you put the cheese. Does anybody want to come up here and show us about touching that little place there? Anybody interested in doing that? It would not probably be very wise to do that. Probably. <laughs> but that is scandalous. When you have been offended by somebody, that's your offense. If you don't deal with the offense, guess what's going to happen? It's going to get you. Can't just leave this thing set the whole time here. Now what do I do? <laughs> Almost got me. <laughs> Sixty-six years old, and ain't got me yet. <laughs> Man, how many would like to try that? Okay, I got you one. What about this one here? You know, but this one here, it looks like cheese. Ah, it's fake cheese. Oh, and you know what? This is another trap. It's a sticky trap. Yes. Have you ever seen a mouse get into this? It's terrible. I'd rather go with this one than with this one here. 
There's all kinds of traps, all sizes of traps that the devil is trying to catch you in. All kinds and all sizes of unforgiveness. Like it's a little old pea, little old unforgiveness. You know, I ain't going to really hurt me. Surely would. And this little old mouse trap has been the demise of many mice. Anyhow, he says here in Acts 24, 16, and herein do I exercise myself to have always, always, 100% of the time to have a conscience that is void, that is empty of offenses. An offense, when I'm offended, I'm just about ready to put my finger on the trigger stick. Look it up. The word offense there is talking about the trigger stick of a trap. When you're offended, trap, trap, trap. You go, how come stuff like this is always happening to me? How come this is happening to me? Because you keep touching the trigger stick. You get offended. Jesus never was offended. He said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And he teaches us to be forgiving to other people. And if you're not forgiving, you wonder, well, how come this hurts? And why is that hurting? Why is this? And why is this happening? And why is this going on? And, and why is that? And why is this? And why is that? You know, it's like, keep your finger away from the offense. Because it can bite you. There was an old uh, missionary couple. They'd been working in Africa. Now, these are Christian people. You know, they, they know better. They're not going to be offended, are they? been teaching the Bible to people for years. An old missionary couple had been working in Africa for years and were returning to New York to retire. They had no pension. Their health was broken. They were defeated, discouraged, and afraid. They discovered that they were booked on the same ship as the President Teddy Roosevelt who was returning from one of his big game animal hunting expeditions. And no one paid any attention to the missionaries. They watched the fanfare that accompanied the president's entourage with passengers trying to catch a glimpse of the great man. And as the ship moved across the ocean, the old missionary said to his wife, something is wrong. Why should we have given our lives in faithful service for God in Africa all these many years and have no one care a thing about us? Here this man comes back from a hunting trip and everybody makes much over him. But nobody gives two hoots about us. Dear, you shouldn't feel that way, his wife said. I can't help it. It doesn't seem right. And when the ship docked in New York, a band was waiting to greet the president. The mayor and other dignitaries were there. The papers were full of the president's arrival, but no one noticed this missionary couple. They slipped off of the ship, and they found a cheap apartment on the east side, hoping the next day to see what they could do to make a living in the city. That night, the man's spirit broke. And he said to his wife, I just can't take this. God is not treating us fairly. His wife replied, well, why don't you go into the bedroom and tell that to God? And a short time later, he came out from the bedroom 
But now his face was completely different. His wife asked, dear, what happened? The Lord settled it with me, he said. I told him how bitter and offended I was that the president should receive all this tremendous homecoming when no one meets us as we return home. And when I finished, it seemed as though the Lord put his hand on my shoulder and simply said, but you're not home yet. And I want to tell you something. If you've been serving God all these years, there's going to be a homecoming that all the angels are going to be shouting and dancing and hooting and hooraying. There's going to be the greatest phenomenal party you can ever possibly imagine with sounds and colors you've never experienced before. Just because everything ain't going peaches and cream for you, well, we ain't home yet. But I'm looking forward to that homecoming. What about you? Amen. One day. To see him face to face. Anyhow, Luke chapter 23, verse 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive these people because they don't know what they are doing. We have been forgiven a Mount Everest size of forgiveness for a sinful life. We've been forgiven max, total max. But when you think about this, how can we hold a little, a molehill amount of unforgiveness towards somebody who's done us just a little bit wrong in comparison to what we've done against God? He tells us, you know, he's asking the Father, Father, forgive these people. They don't know what they are doing. And, and what were they doing when he said that? They were nailing him to a cross. They'd just been beating him in a horrible kind of a way. And now he's saying, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, it says, you must, you must, you must make allowance for each other's faults. And what's that next word? And forgive the person who offends you. Oh, man. And forgive the person who offends you. Oh, right down here. Oh, yeah, you thought she was all clear. She got more rocks. You got to get rid of that weight and the sin that so easily hinders your life. We got to forgive people. That's what he says. You must make allowance for others' faults and forgive the people who offend you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. How many of you here know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God's forgiven you of your sins? You know that? And you guys watching online. So you must forgive others. You must, because God's forgiven us. And, and, and we are Christ-like, and we are God-like, and and, and we're following his example. So we forgive the same way he has forgiven us. And he goes on to say here, you must make allowance for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. It says, love 
Now, this is real love. There's a lots of stuff that people call love in this world. It has nothing to do with love. You know? I love you. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff that people call up that ain't the real deal. But here it says love, real love, is patient. And it's kind. Real love. If it ain't patient, it ain't love. If it ain't kind, it ain't love. He says love is patient and kind. Love, real love, is not jealous or not boastful, or not proud. Real love is not rude. Are you rude? That's not real love. And real love does not demand its own way. Love, real love, is not irritable. You ever get irritable? I said, do you ever get irritable? Yes. Hmm. That ain't love. That's what the Bible says. Love is not irritable and it keeps no records. Like, I remember last week when you did this. And you know, two months ago you did this. And I've got four million documentations of what you've done since I've known you. Really, is that love? No, you should have got a job as an accountant. <laughs> Maybe you did, I don't know. But anyhow, he says love is not irritable and it keeps no record of when it has been wronged. Mm. We just got to keep dropping those weights and dropping those sins and being kind and being loving and being forgiven because you don't want to carry all this stuff with you. And even if those things aren't that big in your life, maybe they're only this big. That little pea size, that much unforgiveness can ruin your whole life. That's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. <clears throat> it says here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, it says, pray like this. This is Jesus teaching everybody to pray. Our Father in heaven, may your name be honored. May your, now this is before Jesus was crucified, and I pray this prayer differently now. But listen to what he said as he was teaching his disciples how to pray. It says, may your kingdom come when? May your kingdom come soon. And his kingdom did come. Jesus tells us in his word. His kingdom is in our midst. It's, it's, it's here with us now. You know. He said, may your kingdom come soon. May your will be done here on earth. Well, where do you guys live? Which planet? Earth. Earth, earth right now. Oh, we, there's a lot of our prayers. We don't even need to ask them when we get to heaven. I mean, that stuff's already dealt with, you know. But he says, may your kingdom come soon. May your will be done here on earth just as it is in heaven. That's right now. It is being done on earth. Yes, like it's, his will is being done in heaven right now. God's working it all together for good. Another translation says, manifest your kingdom realm. Manifest your kingdom realm to us now. Verse 11 goes on to say, give us our food today and forgive us our sins. Just as we have forgiven those who've sinned against us. Do you really want God to forgive you the way you forgive the people who don't like you? Do you want God to forgive you the way you forgive everybody else? 
Oh, no, not that. No, no. He said that Jesus is teaching us how to pray. Give us our food for today and forgive us our sins. Yes, just as we have forgiven those who sinned against us. Somebody sinned against you, you don't necessarily feel kind and loving and tenderhearted. But we've got to forgive them. And Jesus taught us to pray. Father, forgive me the same way I forgive the, that low-down scoundrel who did this and that to me. And God says, you want me to forgive you the way you just forgave him? I don't think we really want to be forgiven that way, do we? Our, he says, and forgive us our sins just as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. How you want God to offer you his forgiveness? You want him to offer forgiveness to you like this? Or like with an open hand or with a clenched fist? I want an open hand and I want to forgive everybody who's hurt me with open hands. Do we always succeed at that? No. But we can ask God to forgive us. And I promise you, you can have another opportunity to practice it before long because somebody's going to hurt you. Doesn't that happen in this world in which we live? Anyhow, he says in verse 13, and don't let us yield to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And if, verse 14, if, and Jesus is teaching them how to pray, and if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. And you're going to flourish. But if you refuse to forgive others, and I've had people right here in this building say, Pastor, I just cannot and I will not ever forgive them. It's like, ooh, I'm just going to back away for a little bit as I pray for you. You know, get away from any lightning bolt strikes or anything like that. When you say, I will not forgive so-and-so who's done such and such, it's really not a good thing. Because God can work a miracle in your life. He genuinely can. He says, verse 15, but if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins, and therefore you can't go to heaven. That's just simple and plain. It's just, just the way it is, you know? Being like Scrooge, you know? Being like Scrooge is going to deteriorate. No, Father, I don't like what they've done, but, but I forgive them. You didn't like the things I've done and you, you forgave me. Thank you. That's what I'm talking about, you know. Doing an injury to somebody puts you below your offender. Revenging an injury makes you equal to them. Forgiving an injury sets you above them. It's more like Christ, wouldn't you think? Petty offenses from a friend or a spouse, or deep wounds from the past make us angry and spiteful people. <laughs> uh, I've gone to this little restaurant. It's one of them restaurants you stick these little spears in food and then you put them in this hot soup, sometimes hot cheese. What do they call that? A fondue. You ever done a fondue? This was a restaurant. That's all they did is fondue. And the waiter come back, had a real good time talking to the 
waiter and I said, man, some of this cheesy stuff is right here. This burning on the side of fire. He said, well, don't you worry about that. We have this angry little man in the back who does all the cleaning. I said, do what? He said, we have this angry little man in the back kitchen who does all the cleaning. I'm thinking, how would you like people to describe you that way? Oh, I know this angry little man. Or I know this angry little woman. Do people use that when they think and talk about you? I'm talking to you guys who join us online as well. Do people say, yeah, the angry little man, maybe the angry tall man, the angry wide man, the angry bearded man. I mean, you know, it can fit all shapes and sizes, couldn't it? We don't ever want, we, that anger should be over here in those pile of rocks, away from me, not near me anymore. That's for sure. It says in Psalms 41 verse 9, even my best friends, even my best friend, the one I trusted completely, the one who shared my food has turned against me. Ouch. That hurts, doesn't it? Yes. It does hurt. Hey, God can't possibly understand this. Let's see, uh, who was the guy who had a, a problem with Jesus who was part of their team? Judas. When betrayed him, 30 pieces of silver. When betrayed him. Jesus knows what it feels like. He knows what it feels like when we betray him. He understands. He knows that, you know. So it's time to, <clears throat> to let go and, and to tap into this supernatural realm called forgiveness. The providence of God, we can forgive. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. He enables us to be like his son Jesus. Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. I just forgive them. You know, just, just forgive them. Let God deal with all the rest of that stuff, you know. Just, just forgive them, you know. And it surely will lighten our load when we just strip off those things that entangle and trip us up and, and the sins. Just, just strip them off. Like, I forgive you. I ain't carrying that. If you want to carry that home with you, Welcome to it. But I'm not carrying that unforgiveness stuff with me anymore ever. Because forgiveness, I'm sorry, it, forgiveness is work. Do you know that? Yes. Devil throws salts in your mind, and you got to cast those salts out. Forgiveness it is hard work to strip that stuff off of you and not let the devil put it back in your pockets and, and things like that. Just got to strip it off and, and leave it off, you know. Uh, you probably heard this story, but it's just such a powerful life story. Years after her concentration camp experience in Nazi Germany, Cory Ten Boom's Boom, she met face to face, and she was as a, a speaker. She met face to face with one of the most cruel and heartless German guards that she had ever contacted. And when her and her sister, they were in a prison, you know, because of 
to all this craziness that was going on in the world, he had humiliated and degraded her and her sister, and he had jeered and taunted, leering at them as they stood in the delousing shower. Now he stood before her with his hand outstretched and said, Will you forgive me? She was free, preaching the gospel. He was free. And he was free from the sins of his past. But he asked her, will you forgive me? She said, I stood there with coldness clutching at my heart, but I know that I know that the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. And I prayed, Jesus, help me. Mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one that was stretched out toward me, and I experienced an incredible thing. The current started in my shoulder, and it raced down into my arm and sprang into our clutched hands. Then this warm reconciliation seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother. I cried with my whole heart, for I long, for a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner, who Corey was a prisoner, against her will for being a Christian. I have never known the love of God so intensely as I did in that moment. See, providence in the almighty God, when you forgive somebody, you experience a supernatural miracle in your own life. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you all along. The load of bitterness is very heavy. Our knees will buckle. Our hearts will break beneath the weight. The mountain before us is steep enough without the heaviness of unforgiveness on our back. The wisest choice and truly the only choice is just like drop all the weights. Just forgive anybody, everybody. Forgive of anger and of bitterness. Forgive. Remember, we're going to stop here. 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9. In the King James Bible, it says, For the eyes of the Lord, right now, he's looking over each and every one of us. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Wow. Is your heart perfect? Once we say, I forgive that person who did that to me. And you can have unforgiveness in your heart. Did you know this? Towards someone who's dead. You can have unforgiveness in your heart to somebody who did something terrible to you and hurt you a long time ago. And we just have to say, Papa God, I forgive so and so. And ask you to forgive me for allowing that bitterness to, to rule in my heart for so long. And we just get free. I like the idea of being free. What about you? We just want to be free. We genuinely do. Oh, I got two more minutes. And we're going to have a water baptism up here. We're going to have to 
get some rocks picked up, but I got two more minutes. So, in Reader's Digest, Life in the United States said several years ago, a man wrote to share an experience. He, he wrote to share an experience that occurred in his family. And he said his mother and father were having an argument. And in the middle of the argument, his father suggested that they each get a piece of paper and they make a list of the other's faults. Now, how'd you like to do that? I need reams of paper, maybe you say. Make a list of the other's faults. The writer said they each started writing. He said his mother wrote a long list. However, instead of writing faults, his father just wrote the words, I love you, repeatedly down the side of his paper. That was it. I love you. I love you. He had not one fault to write on his piece of paper. But I love you. Could you think of a fault to write down for somebody? (laughs) Do you have to forget them on purpose, intentionally? Right? I choose to forget that. The land of beginning again. I wish that there were some wonderful place called the land of beginning again where all our mistakes and all our headaches and all of our poor selfish griefs could be dropped like a shabby old coat at the door and never be put on again. Would that be wonderful if you could just drop an old coat and just leave all the bad stuff behind you? Would that be cool? Why don't you just act like all of our mistakes and all of our judgments and all of our criticisms and all of our failures and what we should have but we didn't and all that. Let's just act like it's all wrapped up in this old coat here and we're just going to drop it there and never touch it again. All the, the weight, strip them off and all the sin... Just strip it off. That's behind me. And I'm moving forward from this day forward. Forgiveness is hard work. But not near as hard as carrying unforgiveness. Well, we don't really have time to go into the couple of things I wanted to share with you. But I think that's enough for us to chew on. That God has made provisions for us to strip off all the sin, all the things that weigh us down. He's made provision. He's given us his Holy Spirit and he's given us the example of Jesus to follow. And he wants you and me to know that we're free and we don't have to let anything of your past ever affect your future. You don't have to. You can be free if you want to. So what I want to do right now is just to pray. We're going to pray for just a minute or two. Then our ushers are going to help us get this baptismal tank opened up here. But what I'd like to do is reaffirm our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and just re-thank him for forgiving us the way he has. So would you bow your heads with me right now? And Susan, if you would join me up here.
And if, if you've accepted Christ before, would you just reaffirm your faith in him? And if you've never accepted him before, would you declare your faith in him today? And just, just like release all the, the bad stuff, the mean stuff, the unkind stuff, all the resentment, all the bitterness, all the offenses. Let's just release it all and, and just get free of it all. Would you pray with me right now? Dear Heavenly Father. Dear Heavenly Father. I believe that you love me. I believe that you love me. You're crazy about me. You're crazy about me. You created me. You created me. And then you sent your son Jesus. And then you sent your son Jesus. To pay for my sins. To pay for my sins. And he shed his blood on that cross. And he shed his blood on that cross. To wash my sins away. To wash my sins away. I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. I believe he did pay for my sins. I believe he did pay for my sins. And I believe he rose from the dead. And I believe he rose from the dead. And is knocking at the door of my heart. And he's knocking at the door of my heart. I open wide that door. I open wide that door. And I welcome Jesus. And I welcome Jesus. As my Savior. As my Savior. As my Lord. As my Lord. And as my soon coming King. And as my soon coming King. And I forgive everybody. And I forgive everybody. Who has ever hurt me. Who has ever hurt me. Whether it was real. Whether it was real. Or whether it was imagined. Or whether it was imagined. Whether they're living. Whether they're living. Or whether they've already passed on. Or whether they've already passed on. I forgive everybody. I forgive everybody. The way Jesus did. The way Jesus did. And I declare that I'm free. And I declare that I'm free. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen.